Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to answer a question that I get asked a lot. What is the best nutrition practice for yogis and what type of diet should a yogi adopt? Now, this might seem like a pretty straightforward question, but it's actually more complex than you might think because I think when we talk about nutrition from this yogic perspective, there's a lot more at play than simply looking at the nutritional content of our food. And well, that's really important and fueling your body for your practice is critical, especially when it comes to things like preventing injury and improving and maintaining muscle mass and body composition, especially if you're a daily practitioner. There's also this energetic aspect of our nutrition that we as yogis tend to be tapped into. And I want to talk about both the energetic part and a question that seems to plague yogis everywhere, to eat meat or not to eat meat? That is the question. And it's a pretty loaded question, but over and over and over again, I've heard the same thing from so many practitioners. It's that after practicing for long enough, at some point, they just don't feel good about eating meat or animal products anymore. And I kind of struggle to comment on this because I found that when it comes to being vegan or vegetarian, people get pretty opinionated and many vegans get this bad rap for trying to force their opinions on people when they're just not ready or interested. And many non-vegans get a bad rap for being like vegan phobic. Like my sister was super against anything that was considered vegan for tons of years. She's better now, but (laughs) you can see how this conversation can get a little bit awkward. And so You probably know this if you've been following me for a while, but I am vegan um, and I fully recognize that this vegan dilemma is not black and white and I don't think there is one right answer, but I'm going to do my best to present this and present these facts in a way that is not biased to my preferences, but rather just presents the facts as they are. And I'm going to look, like I said, at the energetic yogic perspective, but also the modern nutritional science around this as well. So let's get into it. Is being vegan the correct yogic diet and what is the correct yogic diet? So here are some things I think need to be considered. The first thing is ahimsa. So according to the yoga sutras, you should practice the yamas and niyamas before even beginning to practice asana. So the very first yama is ahimsa, non-harming or non-violence. And I think that we can all agree that killing and eating an animal would definitely be a form of violence. So In this sense, eating meat or anything that would cause harm to an animal would technically be contrary to ahimsa and therefore not yogic. However, I have heard time and time again stories of people trying to adopt a vegan diet and feeling depleted, weak, and undernourished. And now, yes, this could totally be as a result of not doing it right. There is some science, however, that suggests a vegan diet is not necessarily right for all people. And I've given a link to an article in the show notes, um, if you're interested, that shows a little bit of this science a little bit more. But um, something I've seen as well, I've heard of several anecdotes of people who, you know, I personally know who built entire businesses actually around being vegan and vegetarian and had to end up, um, you know, consuming some animal products because it just wasn't serving their health. 
So even according to Ayurveda, that for the record, Ayurveda does promote a an all or mostly plant-based diet, but they do not admonish the use of meat for therapeutic purposes. So Ayurveda actually classifies foods according to their level of nourishment. They don't necessarily look at, you know, like fat, carbohydrates, and protein. And meat happens to be the most nourishing of the foods according to Ayurveda. And so um Classically, Ayurveda may have used um, meat and animal products. In fact, they still do to treat people who are very sick or undernourished. So this is the other really interesting perspective when it comes to ahimsa is considering ahimsa toward the self, right? Like you're not doing anyone any favors if you're not operating at your full potential because you're stubbornly trying to eat this vegan diet that just isn't working for you. Now, if you're keen on being vegan, but you're not feeling great, send me a message and like, let's talk about this. Because one of the reasons, like I said before, that I created Yogi Fuel uh, initially was to teach people about how to be vegan the right way and to determine, to determine why that lifestyle wasn't working for you. And later in this episode, I'm going to go over my recommendations for what to do if you are one of those people who has to eat meat. And another thing that I want to mention just around this idea of ahimsa is, you know, if we are adopting a vegan diet, right? I see this all the time. People who go vegan and then they start to eat all of this processed vegan junk that is just as bad as any non-vegan processed food. So it's really important that when we consider ahimsa in our diet, we're looking at creating a diet that's going to actually support our body, that's going to support our mind, that's going to support our soul, not just being vegan for the sake of it and eating anything and everything that says vegan, because just because something says vegan does not mean that it is good for you. If it's processed, if it has tons of preservatives in it, it's not going to be as health building in your body as something that is fresh and nourishing. Okay, so the second thing we want to consider about a yogic diet is cultivating sattva. So being of sattvic or pure and harmonious, calm mind is ideally the goal when we practice. We ideally want to be practicing with a sattvic mind and doing what we can throughout the day to cultivate more and build more sattva. So we may not know it, but this quality is also present in the food that we eat. So ideally, a yogic diet would be rich in sattvic foods. Now, sattvic foods are generally fresh vegetables, grains, legumes, mild spices, mildly sweet foods, and basically foods that are in as close to their natural state as possible. However, a sattvic diet does occasionally include some dairy products like cow's milk and ghee, though I hate to break it to you, when they're talking about the milk, they really are referring to raw, organic, unpasteurized milk straight from the cow's teat, not the overly processed, pasteurized, bleached, and chemically laden milk that lines the store shelves in our Western supermarkets. So According to Ayurveda, this is the best diet for a yogi to adopt. It helps to keep the mind clear and sattvic as opposed to rajasic or tamasic. And we're going to get into sattva, rajas, and tamas a little bit more in a later episode. But very briefly, rajas is that sort of fiery quality that ignites movement. But when out of whack, it can make us feel like overworked and it can be draining and it can make us like obsessive and Tamas is the quality of inertia or dullness or stuckness. And when it's out of whack, it can pull us down and make us feel heavy. So ideally, we want to eat a diet that is mostly sattvic with the occasional rajasic or tamasic food, but we don't want to be cultivating too much rajas and tamas or it's not going to make us feel really good. And the other thing about a mostly sattvic diet is that it's also really soothing for the digestive system and helps to keep things moving, if you know what I mean. And the third thing we want to consider as yogis is prana. So prana is the life force and it is present in all living things to some degree. And as yogis, we're ideally always working again on building prana during our practice. But what you may not realize, again, is that 
product can also be continually built and cultivated through the food that we eat. And it's really important to understand that our food choices are either going to build our prana or deplete it, plain and simple. Our food choices will do the same with our health, our immune system, our gut health. We're either going to build our immune system, build our gut health, or we're going to break it down with each choice of food that we eat. So the good news is, is that prana building foods are pretty much similar to sattvic foods. So fruits and vegetables contain the highest amounts of prana. And actually the prana is the highest when they're picked right from the plant. So as soon as a vegetable is picked from its, you know, stock or its tree or whatever, it begins to slowly lose its prana. Now, many people say that eating raw foods will give you the highest amounts of prana, but many Ayurvedic sources actually say that lightly steaming or sauteing vegetables helps to wake up the prana and make the vegetables a little bit easier for digestion because raw foods are a little bit hard to digest. Um, many of us do not have um, agnis that are as developed to, or like agni means digestive fire that are strong enough to be able to digest and assimilate the prana and nutrients from raw food. Um, freshly squeezed juices, however, are an amazing option and they're sort of like a supercharged burst of uh, prana. They don't need to really be digested. They kind of bypass digestion. All those nutrients go right in to the blood. So think about how you feel right after you have a, a green juice. Like I literally feel like my body has been given this boost of energy. They're super dense with micronutrients and they've got tons of prana, especially if they're freshly squeezed. Uh, now meat. Okay. So meat does contain some prana um, and animal products like milk and ghee and eggs also contain prana, though it is a lot less than um, vegetables and fruits, like I said. Uh, but when we're opting for these foods, it's really critical that you consider the state of the animal. Uh, because animal meat may contain stress hormones or antibiotics, depending on how the animal was raised. And the animal may have, and in a lot of cases, if we're eating conventional sources of meat, was likely brought up in a way less than humane environment. And this is absolutely going to affect the prana of the animal and the prana of that meat. And if you do eat meat, it's really important that you are aware of this and you source your meat as locally, organically, and I hate to say humanely, because it's like, how can you humanely kill an animal, but as humanely as possible. So these three things are, in my opinion, the sort of energetic ideals or considerations that we want to think about when adopting a yogic diet. And so focusing on these qualities of ahimsa, sattva, and prana are really going to build up those qualities in our body and create an internal and energetic environment that is way more conducive to the sort of higher level yoga, which is self-realization that hopefully we're sort of all working together um, towards on our path. So what you eat and what you do are really important in maintaining this sattvic, pure yogic environment. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in later episodes as well. But from the Western perspective, I do think there are a couple things that we want to think about. So if you practice yoga in this modern Western world, chances are you are practicing asana, the physical part of yoga. And it is really important that our physical body is well-maintained and taken care of because that tends to be our main practice, right? Like this asana practice. And if we're practicing every single day, we need to make sure that we are fueling our body properly, keeping ourselves strong and nourished so we can continue to do um, our chosen sadhana, which is typically asana. So the first thing that we want to focus on from this sort of Western nutritional perspective is reducing inflammation and choosing anti-inflammatory foods. This is a biggie, guys, okay? Our body does not like to be in an inflammatory state. 
This is where disease can grow and spread. It makes us feel tired. It taxes the body. It makes recovery more difficult. It is no good. So ideally, we want to be focusing on foods that are anti-inflammatory in nature and removing the major inflammatory foods from our diet. So some of the major inflammatory foods are wheat and gluten, dairy, poor quality meats. Like I talked about, those conventionally raised meats are no good and generally inflammatory, refined sugary drinks and treats, trans fats, and overly processed foods. So ideally, we want to be eating foods that are anti-inflammatory. And the good news is that anti-inflammatory foods are basically the same as foods that are sattvic and highly pranic. Excellent, right? And the last thing we want to focus on are foods that are nutrient-dense and micronutrient-dense. So nutrient density is a big one. I'm always telling my clients and program participants to try and get the most bang for their buck from a nutritional perspective. Our body is made up of trillions and trillions of tiny little cells, and these cells require micronutrients like vitamins and minerals to function optimally. And they also need a healthy dose of good quality fats and proteins and carbohydrates to create and sustain the bodily tissues that keep us strong and healthy for our practice. So one of the things that I'm always telling people is, let's say, you know, at the time of recording this, it's fall slash winter here in Toronto. And so something that's in season is spaghetti squash. So I'm always telling people, if you're craving spaghetti, instead of having, you know, pasta, which is delicious, there's nothing wrong with pasta, a more nutrient dense option is spaghetti squash. So you're going to get a little bit extra nutrients in there. Um, It's also going to happen to be like gluten slash wheat free, which is also awesome because wheat and gluten tend to be inflammatory um, and it's just going to be a little bit better. So let's recap. In my opinion, there are five pillars of a solid yogi fuel diet, and those are ahimsa, sattva, prana, focusing on anti-inflammatory foods and nutrient-dense foods. So in my opinion, if we focus on building a diet with these five things in mind, we are golden. So maybe you're kind of like, well, that's great, Mel, but how am I supposed to make sure that my diet has all of these things? There's no food label that tells me how much sattva or prana my food has. The good news is, like I said, these five principles are pretty much taken care of if we follow a whole foods plant-based diet, which is what I am always advocating to people. All you need to do, the main thing you need to focus on is eating a real food diet, focusing on filling your diet with fruits and veggies. These things have tons of prana. They're totally sattvic with the exception of of actually onions and garlic, but don't lose sleep over over that. There are other things like processed foods that should be cut out way before we start panicking about garlic and onions in our food, in my opinion. Fruits and veggies are also nutrient dense. They're generally anti-inflammatory and they're obviously in alignment with ahimsa. Then eating things like nourishing whole grains that are ideally gluten-free, things like legumes and nuts and seeds and sprouts and tons of water and sweets that are made with naturally occurring sugars rather than refined sugars are always ideal. And making your food at home as much as possible is a great way to follow these simple principles and it gives you the opportunity to control what you're putting into your food. So I just want to take a minute and address that meat eating issue. I'm a huge advocate for a vegan diet. I'm a vegan. I have built a business around teaching people how to adopt a whole foods, plant-based, basically vegan diet in the Yogi Fuel Academy and in my own personal coaching business. And I just want to say, I fully recognize that this may not be what is most appropriate for all people. 
So what do you do if you're someone for whom a fully vegan diet does not work? My advice is to try and determine what is the minimum effective dose. Like what's the least amount of meat slash animal products that you can eat to achieve the desired result. I would also avoid that you I would also avoid. I would also recommend that you avoid factory farmed meat at all costs. These types of meats are not going to benefit your health. In fact, they are likely going to contribute to inflammation, fill your body with hormones and antibiotics. And these animals are pumped with hormones and antibiotics. So if we are considering prana, we also want to consider the prana or energy of that animal. So Factory farmed animals have spent their entire lives in terrible conditions. They're stressed, and generally speaking, they are treated inhumanely. So energetically, it's not a great deal to support these kinds of practices. But from another perspective, putting that energy in your body doesn't really serve us from that yogic perspective. And like I've said before, when Ayurveda prescribes animal products, they're talking about the cleanest, most organic, free range, happy animals you can think of. And also thinking of meat as a condiment rather than the main show is really important because when I was eating meat, I'd like fill my plate with meat. I had no real awareness that I should be having a mostly plant-based diet with a little bit of meat. So if you do consume animal products, you definitely want to consume a lot of veggies these are still the bad boys that are providing us with those powerful micronutrients that are going to support our cells. And if you are considering incorporating animal products, those would be my recommendations. And if you can, don't. But if you have to, please just try and follow those recommendations. So at the end of the day, I just want to say being vegan is a great idea. It's absolutely the simplest way to practice ahimsa in your life. It is filled with highly pranic sattvic foods, and we really can't deny that. But it might not be right for everyone, and that's okay. Eating a whole foods plant-based diet is generally good for most people, but there is some variance that needs to be accounted for. And I like to think of nutrition the same way I think about our practice, right? In Ashtanga, we all started the same place. You know, many of us at the beginning of the primary series, and yet some people breeze through and others struggle. And the same way that each of our individual practices differs, so too do our dietary requirements and our individual ideas about what's right and wrong when it comes to food. So in my opinion, the correct yogic diet is one that does as little harm as possible, that builds up your prana and sattva, that makes you feel good physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I invite you to try and find and cultivate these characteristics in your diet and lifestyle and on your yogic journey. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening today. I know I had a blast recording this podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and comment on this podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe. Your support means everything to me. And um, if you are wanting to connect, you can always reach me over on Instagram at Melissa Singh Yogi Fuel over on Facebook at Melissa Singh Yogi Fuel. You can check out my website for some awesome Yogi Fuel inspired recipes at melissasingh.com. And if you have any topics that you want me to cover, just holla. I am here to serve you and I want to give you guys the best information that I possibly can to help you uplevel your practice and your life. So that's all for now and I can't wait to see you guys next week. Bye.